Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. We've been really looking at the whole issue of how the early church started and trying to find the meaning of that for us as a church, as Kerwinsville Christian Church. And we really started all the way from the beginning with Jesus and his promise of the Holy Spirit. And we've been actually seeing that from that point on, and especially as we get into chapter 2, the promise being fulfilled and the significance of the Holy Spirit coming in their midst. And so last week we looked at verses 1 through 13 where it talked about the Holy Spirit coming and about God's presence being among his people and about how he equipped them to go out and proclaim truth. Now last week we saw that as they did that, they had two reactions to what was going on. One reaction was it caused people to ask questions. What's going on here? I want to know more. These people are glorifying God. So they were asking questions about what was going on in their lives. The other thing that happened was is people started scoffing. They started mocking and saying, well, these folks are drunk. And those two reactions are still true today. As you are empowered by God's Spirit, as you become the person that God wants you to be, as we become the church that God wants us to be, and His presence is evident in our midst, and His presence is evident in your life, and things begin to happen in your life because God's Spirit is working in your life, you're going to draw one of two reactions from people. You're going to have people who are going to inquire, what's going on in your life? Why did your life change? Why are things happening the way they're happening? Or you're going to have people who are just going to flat out reject it. They're going to scoff at it. They're going to mock it. We get to chapter 2 now, verse 14 through 21, and Peter is going to stand up in the midst of the people, in the midst of this confusion of the disciples proclaiming truth, in the midst of these people asking questions, and in the midst of these scoffers, and he's going to now give an explanation about what's going on. It's actually Peter's sermon. Let me just stop for a moment. I want you to understand something. This is one of the evidences that the Holy Spirit works in our lives. You say, what do you mean? I want you to think about Peter. He is not an educated person. He is just a fisherman. In fact, remember now, just 50 days prior, because this is Pentecost, 50 days after Passover, just 50 days prior when he was questioned concerning Jesus, what did he do? Denied him three times. Here we have an individual who has been empowered by God, by the Holy Spirit, and he stands up doesn't matter his education level, doesn't matter what he does for a vocation, but he stands up and gives a most, one of the most powerful sermons ever, and many people respond to it. See, we're going to see why this is happening, because he's going to give us a prophecy here. He's going to tell us that this, what's going on, is a fulfillment of a prophecy from the book of Joel. In fact, let's just read it, and we'll see what Peter says. He's going to answer the critics, and he's going to explain what's going on. And in fact, as I was looking at this passage, I was really wrestling with, how, how do I apply this prophecy to us? But then as I began to study it, I realized there is application for us because this prophecy was not just for them, it's for you and I. So let's notice what it says. Verse 14, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, 
Let this be known to you, and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it, came, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my manservants and on my maidservants I will pour out my spirit in those days. I will prophesy, and I will show wonders in heavens above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. And the sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. The first thing I want us to look at here is notice his defense. We see it really in the first three verses. The first thing Peter's going to do is, is he's going to answer his critics. And, and it's really interesting how he answers his critics because he doesn't get all uptight. You ever notice that sometimes when people mock our faith, we can get uptight with them and you can get in arguments with them? You ever notice that? You ever gotten in an, in an argument with somebody about your faith? Have you? Let me just tell you something. Don't. Nobody's ever argued into the kingdom. Don't ever get into an argument with somebody about your faith. Stand faith. Tell them what you believe. Is that unless God opens their eyes, they're never going to see it. So there's no sense arguing people into the kingdom. No sense arguing people into the kingdom. But I want you to notice something. Here's what he does. He, his defense is, is that the accusations are false. Now, what were the accusations at that time? These folks, as they saw these folks coming out, all excited for the Lord, Speaking other languages, literally other languages of the people who were there, people were looking and saying, these people are crazy. They must be drunk. And here's what Peter says. Guys, they're not drunk because it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. Only 9 o'clock. There's no way they could be drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning. They just got up. The third hour, notice something, just so you understand a little bit of the background there. The day in their mind, they didn't have clocks as we have them right now. The day started when the sun came up, so it's usually at 6 in the morning, and they counted the hours from then. So the third hour from 6 o'clock is what? 9. So it's about the third hour, and so the first thing he's going to do is he's just going to answer the critics. He's going to say, look, the accusations are wrong. He's just going to simply state what's going on here. And listen, there's something that you can I see here that basically as people criticize us, we just simply need to answer them. What you're saying is not right. Now he goes on, and here's what he's going to say to them. A fulfillment of God's promises. Look at what he says in verse 16. He says, guys, we're not drunk, nobody's drunk, but this, what is this? What's going on here was what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Here's what he's doing. He's taking the argument of, their argument of saying that everybody's drunk. He's saying, no, guys, they're not drunk. The greater picture of what's going on here is this. What's going on here is it's a fulfillment of what God had already promised before in the scripture. You say, okay, no, George, wait a minute now. Okay, here's the defense. What do I take from this? I got people who scoff at me all the time. I maybe have family members. Maybe you got family members who are mocking your faith right now, or you got that Jesus thing going on. Or you've got people at work who are mocking you, who are just flat-out antagonistic to you about your faith. You say to you, how do I handle this? From what Peter is saying here, a couple of things. Here's what he's doing. I want you to notice what Peter's doing. First of all, he just answers flatly, and he says to them, look, guys, what you're saying is wrong, period. 
He's not going to argue it. He's not going to sit there and give a defense. But he's going to say this. It's wrong because what's going on was already promised long ago. You say, now how does that apply to me? You can look at them and you can say to them, look, you may not agree with what's going on, but it doesn't change what's going on. And what's going on in my life and the lives of others who believe as I do is a fulfillment of what God said would happen. See, I want you to understand something. It just dawned on me here in the last couple of days. Do you realize that all of the promises that you and I have in the Bible, how many of you recognize there are lots of promises in the Bible? Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Promises like that, do you realize that all of the promises in the Bible, listen to me, hinge on one thing, the Holy Spirit coming into our lives. And so what he does is he goes and he goes back and he shows this is what Jesus promised would happen to us. In fact, he, he goes back to what they know, the Old Testament. This is what the Old Testament said would happen. See, here's the thing. They can't argue with what's going on in your life, can they? A lot of times they'll argue with you about your beliefs. Have you noticed they'll argue with you about your beliefs? Well, I just don't believe that. But what people can't argue with is the reality of Jesus in your life and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Nobody can argue with that. Have you noticed that? And what you do is you take what God is doing in your life and you let that be a testimony of what the Scripture says because surely your life should reflect the what? The promises that the Scripture have said. The work of the Holy Spirit. So he gives a defense. See, my friends, what I want you to understand, this is why I'm, when I looked at this prophecy, I really wrestled with it. Man, this, is this just for them or is there an application here for us? We're going to see exactly what the application is for us here in a moment as we look at what the significance is. The significance of the moment of what's going on. Because the implications are there for every one of us. What happened that day in Jerusalem on Pentecost 2,000 years ago has implications for you and I right now where you're at right here in Kerbinsville, Pennsylvania. The reality is, is that God's Holy Spirit has come among us and there are some significant things that have happened because God's Spirit dwells within us who have trusted in Jesus Christ. And we've got to see it. Listen, in fact, I'm so convinced of this. Listen to me. I am so convinced that the reasons why we have the problems that we do in our Christian lives is because we've not grasped the reality of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We've quit talking about it. In fact, here's the thing. I mean, I shared this this morning in Sunday school. It is distressing to me as a pastor that 46% of evangelicals don't even believe that there is a Holy Spirit. And Jesus, what was his promise? I'm going to leave you, and when I leave you, I'm going to send another comforter. I'm going to send another helper who will guide you into truth, who will convince you and convict you of truth. Who is he talking about? The Holy Spirit. But here's what we've done. We've gotten so scared of it. Because we've seen crazy things happen. And we don't want crazy stuff to happen to us. You know what? I don't think crazy stuff's going to happen to us. Because I don't think God necessarily works that way. But we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater because we see crazy things happening. But what we need to see is, listen to me, is that there is a very real person, the Holy Spirit, who wants to interact in your life, and your life needs to demonstrate it. So there is a significance there. In fact, let me just stop for a moment. I'm going to ask you a key question. I want you to respond. How many of you would like Jesus to be back right now to help you in your everyday life, for Jesus Christ himself to be back to help you with your everyday walk? How many of you would like that? Raise your hand. All of us would, wouldn't we? How about if I told you that he sent somebody else? Who? 
the Holy Spirit. See, what we're wanting is Jesus, but he's already sent someone. So let's notice the significance. Let's notice what Joel was saying, and this is what Peter is trying to point to them as far as what's going on here. Look with me. First of all, he says in verse 17 and 18, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Here's the first thing I want you to see. God will give his Spirit to all men. God's going to give his Spirit. He's going to give the Holy Spirit to everybody who puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You know what? You just expressed, a lot of you just expressed that you would like to have Jesus there to guide you through your day. Did you not? Here's what I'm trying to tell you. He said, I'm sending another comforter. I'm sending another helper. Someone just like me, Jesus said, to guide you and to help you and to lead you into truth. It's the Holy Spirit. We need to wake up to that reality. He is there. And here's the interesting thing. It's not like something that I've got to ask him to show up for. It's like, Jesus, I've got an appointment at 6 o'clock. I need you to be there. What is it? We already know that when we trust in Jesus, who enters into our life immediately? Holy Spirit. He's already there. But the problem is most of us live our lives without even recognizing he's there. What does he want me to do? Our focus is in the wrong place. Our focus needs to be on the person of God who lives within us right now. And he said, I will pour out my my spirit on all flesh. Who's he talking about here? Everyone. Everyone. So I want you to notice something there, that it's going to be poured out on all flesh. Now I want you to notice, let's go one step further here, because I want you to see what's going on here. He doesn't make a distinction between who it's to be given to and who it's not to be given to. Look with me at verse 17 and 18. I want you to notice something there. Look at what he's saying there. He says, And I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters, young men and old men. And then look at verse 18. He's going to go a little bit step further. Manservants and maidservants. What's he doing here? He's trying to point out to us that the availability of the Spirit of God for individuals is not based upon their status in society. You ever notice that we do that? I'm going to make a statement. You may not like what I'm going to say, but it's true. Every one of us here have prejudices. Every one of us here is prejudiced. It doesn't have to be a skin color issue. You could be prejudiced at people simply because their hair is green. And these days, it might be. And the reality is, is we, we in our own lives, because we're conditioned by our environments, we're conditioned by our families, we're conditioned by attitudes, we develop attitudes towards people and we make distinctions. And have you noticed that there's a tendency that you might have to write people off? How many of us write people off? I know I do. We have a tendency to write people off, especially when it comes to spiritual things. We'll say, well, there's no sense wasting our time. How do you know that? Well, I just know. No. You're just prejudiced based upon what you think, and you only want to talk to people who are what? Just like you, who think like you, who act like you. But I want you to notice something here. The passage makes a key point that whether they are sons or daughters, that is, they're sons or daughters, whoever he's speaking to, or whether they are the servants, God's Spirit is available to who? Everyone. It doesn't matter who they are. You know, there's an interesting thing about this prophecy. A lot of the prophecies in the Old Testament were given for a nation called Israel. The nation called Israel was made up of who? Jews. Who was excluded from the promises of the Old Testament? 
Gentiles. Now, who are Gentiles? You and I. How are we doing as far as being accepted? Not really. But when you look at this prophecy, what does he say? I will pour it on all, what's the first distinction? Flesh. See, he's given a promise here that includes you and I, that we didn't have a place in. See, this is what's so significant about this, is that it is given to, that his spirit would be available to all men. Now, here's the next thing I want you to see, and this is the part that's going to really you have to grasp what he's saying here. He's saying we will be given the ability to proclaim truth. Notice what he says there. He says, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Now, let me just stop for a moment. A lot of times we think of prophecy, we think of the foretelling of future events. That's one component of truth, one component of prophecy. The primary component of prophecy was the telling forth of truth. When you see the prophets in the Old Testament, they weren't just proclaiming what was going to happen in the future. Most of what they were saying had to speak to what was going on right then, right now, and the proclamation of truth in light of what was going on around them. So what's the point here? God's Holy Spirit would come into your life and give you then the ability to share truth with others about Jesus. And guess what? The very person who's speaking right now in this passage is an evidence of it. You say, okay, what's the application for you and I? Okay, let me just stop for a moment. I've got another question for you. How many of you are scared of sharing your faith with somebody else? Raise your hand. I know I am. Scares me every time when I share my faith with somebody else. What's some of the excuses that we use for why we don't share our faith? What's the excuses we use? Don't know what to say? Fear of rejection? Being laughed at? Or what, how about this one? I don't know what to say because I'm afraid of what they're going to ask me. What if they ask me, did Adam and Eve have a belly button? How do I answer that one? Say those kind of crazy things. And so we're afraid to share. Is that not right? And what's, here's what we do. The reason why we don't share is because we're looking at our lack of abilities. And notice something. The, the, the significance of this passage and the promise that's being fulfilled there is not just that he gives his spirit to every one of us. Listen to me. He gives you the ability, little old you, sitting right where you're at, the ability to answer anybody about the truth of Jesus. Period. Now, let me just stop for a He's not going to give you some answer to some deep theological question somebody might have, but he's going to the ability to testify to the reality of Jesus in your life so that others can see the reality of Jesus. You see the significance of that? Not only do I have the Holy Spirit given to me, but now I am given the ability to proclaim the truth of what I believe. That's wonderful. You don't need to worry about it. Because so many times we're so worried about somebody tying us in knots with arguments. Remember what I said earlier. You can't argue anybody into the kingdom anyhow. And if somebody's going to scoff at you and try to argue with you about what you believe, don't waste your time. You're just wasting time. You're wasting breath. Unless Jesus opens their eyes, they're not going to see what you have to say anyhow. But for those who do ask, you don't need to worry about it. God will give you the ability to speak to them. To proclaim truth, you will prophesy. That's the issue. Let's go on now. Here's the other thing he's going to tell us, the significance of the passage. And this is so important. Here's what I'm saying. And this is, you've got to grasp what's going on here. Here's what Peter is saying. 
it points to the reality of his promised return. Because I want you to notice, Peter is quoting this prophecy, but this prophecy isn't just speaking about what's happening there at Pentecost. This prophecy is speaking about what's to come in the future. Notice what he's saying, because what he's talking about here isn't happening right now with them. Notice what he says, verse 19, And I will show wonders in heavens above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke, and the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. Here's the reality. The fact that the Holy Spirit would show up in your life, the fact that he would show up in your life, empower you, give you the ability to proclaim truth to others, points to the ultimate reality that there is another promise yet to be fulfilled, and that promise is, is that Jesus is coming back. See, here's the thing I want you to see. This is what Peter is saying as he quotes this prophecy. How do I know that Jesus is coming back? I don't know that he's coming back just simply because he said it. That's the first response, is I know he's coming back because he said it, right? Here's another reason why I know that he's coming back. What he promised that would happen to me now until he comes is happening, that tells me he's coming. Do you see what I'm saying? What he promised would happen to me now. One of the big promises was that I will give you another comforter until I come back. The presence of the Holy Spirit. The promise that he would be working in your life right now, leaning and guiding you, equipping you, empowering you to live the life that he wants you to live. The fact that he is working in your life right now is a testimony to the fact that he's coming back. How do I know he's coming back? Because he's working in my life right now. That's a fulfillment of his promises. And so if he's fulfilling that promise, you better believe it. He's going to fulfill the promise later that he's coming back. Isn't that wonderful? You don't have to worry about wondering when Jesus is coming back. You just need to know the reality is that he is coming back. Why? Because he's working in my life right now. Right now. And yeah, it might be 2,000 years, but he didn't say when he would come back. He just said he would come back suddenly unexpectedly. And that's reality. And see, this is the significance of the passage. See, we are so downplaying the Holy Spirit in our lives, and we're missing the reality of what he wants to do. He wants us to be an evidence to the reality of Jesus in this world. And you know what? That's what we do. We're so busy about ourselves and so busy doing our own thing. Nobody sees Jesus, and the reason why is because we're not where we should be. Isn't that true? We're not where we should be. See, we have focused on the wrong things. We need to focus on being who God wants us to be. And how can we be who God wants us to be? The indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. This is what the significance of what's going on here. See, the implication of Pentecost is just as important today as it was back then. Where are you in your relationship with Him? He's real. Let's go on then. One other thing I want you to see that He's saying there. And this is important, number 21. And and we all know this, but he's got to make the point. But do we all really know this? Salvation is available to all. Look at what he says. This is the prophecy of Joel. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, whoever recognizes who Jesus Christ is and commits their life to them, shall be saved. Be saved. And listen to notice something here. And whoever, what's the point here? It's available to all. Now, why have I got to make that point to you and I? Because we do write people off. 
You know what my challenge to you this week is? Because I've had to do it. If I study this passage, I had to wrestle with this question. And here's the question. I want you to wrestle with it too. Is there somebody I'm writing off? Maybe it's their social economic status. Maybe they're on relief. Or maybe they got more money than they know what to do with. Maybe they've done something wrong in the past and they deserve what they're getting now. You know, we develop those kind of attitudes, don't we? Is there somebody that I'm thinking is even worthy of hearing the name of Jesus because I, in my attitude, know better? I've had to wrestle with that. You know what? We all need to wrestle with it because I think that is hindering us, hindering us in reaching out to people. Have you noticed that? Who are we writing off? Who are we writing off? Maybe it's because we don't like their hair color. Or maybe we don't like their attitudes or who they're voting for or this kind of stuff. Who are we writing off? That's the reality. Jesus, what does the prophecy say? Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be what? Whoever is whoever. It's everybody. See, that's the significance of the passage. That's the significance of the reality of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Have you noticed that we want people to be just like us because we think we're perfect? But have you noticed that there are people who know we aren't? We need to get over it, don't we? Too many people need Christ in this world. There are 15,000 people right here in our area that need Jesus. But we're hung up on the wrong things. And the significance of what Joel is telling us and what Peter is telling us here is that with the coming of the Holy Spirit, He is willing that none should perish. He is willing to pour out His Spirit on all men. And He even gives us the ability to proclaim it, but we need to proclaim it. We need to proclaim it. Okay, George, how do we wrap this up? Number one, how do you respond to scoffers? How do you respond to those who mock your faith, who aren't interested? How do you respond to your scoffers? Listen, the reason why they're scoffing is because they don't see it. And the reason why they don't see it is because the God of this world has blinded them. And because the God of the world has blinded them, they belong to him. What do we need to do? We need to pray for them. They need to come to Jesus. That's reality. That's the next thing here. Do you recognize the significance of the Spirit's filling in your life? He didn't just come in here just to be like a guarantee, total, you know, just make sure that I get the heaven thing. Yes, He does do that, but it goes beyond that. He gives you the ability to live now, to be a witness now. Don't you recognize that? A lot of you expressed it. I would like Jesus to help me with my everyday life. He's there in the person of the Holy Spirit. Don't you see it? And then finally, seek his empowerment for your life and witness. Here, maybe you're here today and you're saying, yeah, I need to, I need to, man, I need to allow the Holy Spirit to have more control in my life. And here's the thing, you've got to stop sinning first. You've got to go to him and you've got to recognize that you and what you're doing right now is grieving him and quenching him. And he can't use you for the full potential of what he wants to do through you because you're not allowing him to because you're too busy doing what you're doing. And what you're doing is what he's already told you not to do. Seek his empowerment. Go to him and say, God, I want to be all that you want me to be. Seek it. You know what? We will turn this community upside down for Jesus if we just started living the way he wanted us to live and being equipped the way he wants us to be and allow the Spirit to dwell in us richly because we will quit being selfish and we will start being selfless and living our lives for others in Jesus. That's what he calls us to. That's the significance of what happened. 
the dwelling of Jesus within the midst of his people. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.